Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio is... Jason Rosenbaum. And... Joe Manis. And our special guest this week is... Steve Stanger. County Executive and... County Executive Candidate. Uh, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> county executive candidate. Let's not get well, if the election's <laughs> over, <laughs> county executive candidate. It went, it went a lot quicker than I thought it would. And councilman. Blink of an eye. <laughs> and councilman. So, uh, yes, as as I just alluded to and kind of, you know, he is running. Up. He is running for county executive against incumbent county executive Charlie Dooley, who was we had on as our guest week. Yeah, uh, it, it, a couple weeks ago, yeah. a couple weeks ago at this point. Yes, and he's a Democrat, and he's a county councilman, and you're from South County, correct? That's correct. Okay, so you want to talk a little bit about yourself and your district and how you got into politics? Sure, sure. Well, um, I'm the son of Pete and Joanne Stinger. <laughs> my, my dad, I'm going to go way back for you. My, uh, my dad was- Born in t- a log cabin. That's right. Well, not exactly, but, but close, no. Um, I, uh, I was born uh, in St. Louis, lived in St. Louis my entire life. Uh, my father was a telephone man. For 42 years, and my mother uh, was a stay-at-home mom at times and, and worked at times as well. Uh, grew up in St. Louis City on the city-county borderline. And uh, Which ward? Uh, I was in Donna Berenger's ward. Wow. Oh, okay. That's where I right. live. Okay. Yeah, and it, it was not Donna Berenger at the time. It was Jim Shrewsbury. Right. I, w- I would assume it was not right. Donna Berenger. Right. Not right. to get too right. micro, right. but what street did you live on? I lived on Archwood Lane. <laughs> okay. I live on Lansdowne. Okay. That's oh, my do you? Okay. Well, my grandmother, uh, my grandmother lived on Lansdowne most of her life. Yes. Okay. So where did you go to high school? I went to DeBerg. Okay. I went to, DeBerg. I went to St. Dominic Savio for grade school. <laughs> and DeBerg is within walking distance of all of those uh, beautiful streets. That's right. That's We're, right. But, but continue. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, um, so I uh, grew up in that part of town. I went to, as I said, St. Dominic Savio grade school, uh, Bishop DeBerg for high school. Went on to uh, the University of Missouri, St. Louis for undergrad mm. and uh, studied accounting. Uh, went on to become a CPA. I guess um, I guess the month I graduated, I, I took the test. So uh, passed the CPA exam and then went to law school. Okay. And went to law school at SLU. And all the while, while I was in high school and uh, summer college and, and all through law school, I played in a rock band. Really? I, yes, I did. Instrument? I, what instrument? I played guitar and some keyboards. Okay. And I I. I Sang. I was the lead singer. What was the name of the band? Multiple bands. I played in a band called The Stan when I was in high school. And then I played in a band called Painted Faces when I was in law school. What was your favorite song to sing? Oh, well, I had all kinds of songs <laughs> I liked to sing. They were, we used Are to these do, songs we did, going to be played at all the campaign <laughs> events? That's well, what we need yeah, to know. Maybe <laughs> some old recordings. <laughs> <laughs> the band's getting back will, together. Will, will, actually, hey, I, I, I did sort of have a little reunion recently with them. Yeah. Will this, you will, never know. Will, will your musical abilities help or hurt your political <laughs> prospects? I guess I'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good time. That was a, a very fun time in my life. So I, I played music for a, a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, uh, I started a law firm back in 1998. Okay. Worked at, actually, prior to the law firm, I, I worked at Ernst & Young okay. as a CPA and an attorney. And I did uh, state and local tax matters. Seemed like that was sort of my focus. Okay. That's, that's primarily what okay. I did. And then, uh, you know, that type of work is, is work that lends itself to uh, working in a cubicle yeah. and sort of being away from people. 
and uh, you find yourself uh, working with a lot of numbers and not a whole lot of interaction with individuals. So uh, I decided at some point that I wanted to pursue law. And in 1998, I formed a, a partnership with some other attorneys, and uh, we've essentially been operating since on a handshake uh, in St. Louis County. Really? Mm-hmm. So what's the name of your firm? Clark, Isaac, and Stenger. Okay. And what type of, of law do you practice? Because I, I know that you've been quoted before in some high-profile defense cases, if I'm not saying criminal defense cases, actually. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I do an awful lot of litigation, and I do... Because of my, my CPA background, I do some tax work as well, um, sort of some tax controversy work. And I also do some corporate, you know, some corporate planning matters. But, yeah, I, I have done some, some criminal defense stuff in the past. And a lot of that, I'd say primarily, that came from doing some overflow cases for the public defender's office. The federal public defender handles cases in federal court. And oftentimes in federal court, you have multi-defendant cases where you might have 16 defendants. Well, the federal public defender can only take one of those one of those defendants or there would be a conflict of interest. So really as a matter of, I guess you'd say, public service or service to the court, you accept appointments and um, you get appointed the case. And you sort of take the case as it is and you uh, work it through essentially – I guess in the spirit of in the spirit of being a public defender, there's a, a lower rate you're paid, and um, you know you defend individuals who are charged with those with those federal offenses. So that didn't bother prosecuting attorney Bob McCullough. I kept thinking that when you were saying you were you were defending because attorney. he is not a he's not a huge fan of the public defender. Well, I'll tell you what I think if you talk to Bob and you ask Bob about it, and I, you know I would not speak for him, but I'll bet he'd tell you that uh, you know our criminal justice system sure. is u- unique. In the world, in that you know you you have funding of a of a public right. defender's mm-hmm. office that will uh, represent individuals, indigent individuals, and you know there needs to be two sides. You know by the very nature of our constitution, and that's sort of what makes it all work. And I think so, he'd tell you that. So how'd you get involved in politics? Yeah, because it seems like this is you seems like you had a pretty you know stable professional setup for yourself when you decided to run for for county council in two thousand eight. I've always wondered what prompted you to make that crazy leap into the whirly-burly world of county politics. That's the second time I've used whirly-burly recently, but <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Things. <laughs> like, what, what, why, why did you want to get involved in county politics? You know, it wasn't so much county politics. You know, it wasn't that county politics was really my aim. I, I really just wanted to become involved. And some of it stemmed from uh, that background in handling those overflow cases that I was talking about. Um, you really get exposure when you handle cases like that. I mean, I handled quite a few. I've, I've handled probably, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to guesstimate here, but probably 300 of those cases, which is a lot of federal cases to handle in a in a career. And I've been I, I did that for about I'd say I'm going to guesstimate again 15 years. You know, you really see uh, a breakdown uh, sometimes in some of our, uh, you know. And let me just back up. In most cases, what happens is people submit to a pre-sentence investigation review. And in that review, they reveal all types of uh, facts about their life and facts and circumstances. And it all leads to sentencing ultimately and what the judge would, you know, would, would ultimately wind up doing. And you see so many things uh, with so many individuals where you know, certain things went wrong. You see parents leaving. You see edu- you know, they dropped out of school. 
uh, drug usage at a young age. You really begin to see sort of all the ills that we have all laid out in these individuals' lives. And there was something about that uh, that prompted me to want to get involved and um, do public service. And so the arena that I chose was the St. Louis County Council. Mm-hmm. We had a then eight-year incumbent in John Campisi, and I ran against him. Uh, he was a Republican. He was a Republican. Uh, ran against him. And uh, you know, we had a sort of a, a tough campaign. Yeah, it was a very friendly race from from what I've read. I wasn't here, but I hear it got pretty contentious at times, if it, I'm not mistaken. It did get contentious, and uh, we we fought hard and ultimately won. Um, and, and even before that, I was also a, a prosecuting attorney of a municipality. I was the city prosecutor for a town called Cottleville, which is uh, on the other side of the river in yeah. St. Charles County. Right. And I, I did that for, I'm going to guesstimate again, I'm going to say about three years. Um, and that was a really interesting experience as well. And once again, that was a, a public service experience where I uh, saw things on the other side of the, of the defender issue, uh, saw things from the prosecutorial standpoint. And that was also inspiring and and uh, moved me toward public service, maybe on a bigger scale, and 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 you know an, an elected public office, which was the sixth district, St. Louis County Council. Which is um, tell us a little bit about this district because it's mainly unincorporated, um, and that brings a whole different dynamic of, of being councilman because it means that you're not only voting on broader issues, but you're essentially the legislative body for approving a lot of zoning and administrative matters there. You're like, you serve as essentially the de facto mayor for about, you know, 150, 200,000 people, essentially. That's correct, Jason. Uh, My district is somewhat unique in that it's about 97% unincorporated, probably the most unincorporated area. So what you find is that for all of the areas, like an area, say, like Afton or Melville, those are really just geographic Correct. areas. They're, they're not, yeah. Right. They're not municipalities. Correct. So they, they don't have a city council. They don't have a prosecutor. They don't have a mayor. Um, what they have is county government and essentially the county council, and I'm their representative on the county council and, of course, the county executive. How far west does it go now? I know with redistricting, the boundaries change a little bit, but how far west? Because it's basically south county all the right. way, uh, Sunset Hills. Is, okay, is, is, is it, and it, my district does not include Sunset Hills. Okay, but it, it moves over to Sunset Hills on Gravoy, and it, and it cuts through up by Gravoy, Gravoy essentially to St. Anthony's Hospital, and then down to the Merrimack River, kind of jogs around quite a bit. Okay, but it's a large geographic area as well. So I don't think a lot of people were terribly surprised you decided to run for county executive. If you flip through the archives of any newspaper or TV, you and County Executive Dooley have been at odds, I would say, even before you were elected, because you were a major critic of the, the trash plan that he did, which was very controversial in South County. But what made you make this leap to try to, you know, essentially, you know, primary Dooley in the situation? Well, let me start by saying that, you know, it may have looked probably, you know, People probably could have projected or they'd like to say they would have projected that I would run. And I can understand that um, because we did clash over the years, you know, on various topics. And I think that all sort of leads to the explanation of why I wanted to run. You know, it's not anything that I, I 
take lightly and not to talk too much about politics, but I think anyone of a particular party um, is always hesitant to run against a sitting member of their party in their in, in an elected office. So it was a decision that I really didn't make. Uh, it was not an easy decision to make, and it was a decision that required an awful lot of thought. And I think that when you see another uh, top elected official in the area like Bob McCullough, our St. Louis County prosecutor, come out with me when I announced and um, endorsed me essentially that first day that I announced, I don't think that it was an easy decision for him either. You know, I think that it was a decision that was made for me, I know, over time. Um, And the same reasons I think that Mr. McCullough chose to support me were the same reasons that I wanted to run. I see St. Louis County moving in in a direction, and particularly over the last three years, that I just don't think we need to head. And I think that we've been moving in the wrong direction. And I think it's apparent in the headlines that uh, I read in papers like The Beacon and in the Post-Dispatch and that you hear on CAMOX and that you hear on all of the uh, all of our news stations. Um, and we all know what those headlines are. You know, we currently have two FBI investigations of, of St. Louis County, one particularly with respect to the police crime lab. Now, Dooley, of course, contends that he's not that, that, that these investigations aren't going on, or at least he's not the target. Well, as to the investigations going on, they're definitely going on. Um, you know, I think it was reported in, in every major paper, at least uh, either directly or tangentially, that there's an FBI investigation of the federal, or excuse me, of the St. Louis County Crime Lab. Um, they actually received copies of the federal criminal grand jury subpoenas that were that were uh, that that summoned materials from the county to the federal building downtown. There are FBI agents that are assigned to those cases that you know I think it's common knowledge. So it's been reported in in you know news sources of mm-hmm. record, and I you know I, I and I you know I, I have some personal knowledge and sure. I and those those FBI investigations are in existence, and particularly the one with respect to the the crime lab where. The police commissioner got the HVAC contract for the crime lab. That's definitely being investigated by the FBI. So how how do those investigations uh, tie in with your contention that, I mean, about Dooley? I mean, whether whether he's the subject or not, still, I mean, they do play a role in at least right. your, well, your decision to run. You know, as things stand, we see things like that, you know, to get into a particular. Right. A police commissioner receives an HVAC contract on a police crime lab, and the conflict of interest is just fairly obvious. And it's either the result of some type of incompetence or some kind of a lack of acknowledgement that transparent government and government that's accountable is very important to taxpayers in St. Louis County and very important to residents of St. Louis County. And having confidence in your local government is, is you know, it's the cornerstone of government. If you were county executive at the time all this happened, how would you have dealt with it differently? Well, I would have ensured that that a police commissioner did not receive a contract where, you know, pursuant to the charter uh, and a direct provision of the charter, uh, that he would not have received that contract. 
where county money was involved. And here, that's exactly what happened. Would so, it have been possible since it was a, not to get too much in the weeds, but this was a subcontract that was given by a, a main contractor. Would there have been any way that the county could have intervened and said to that contractor, you can't do this. This is a conflict of interest. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, it would have been a, a, a direct order from the county executive that that cannot happen because it's in direct violation of the charter. And it remains in direct violation of the charter. It's, it's absolutely, you know, it, and, and that's one of the reasons why I believe the police commissioner in question resigned because it was in direct violation of the charter. Now, I think there are going to be some issues where you and the county executive agree and you know, policy-wise. But I think the main difference that you're going to hammer on is this issue of competence within the administration, because that's the huge role of the county executive is to manage the the county. I'd just be curious of how you would go about the administrative role of a county executive differently, and how are you not going to fall into some of the same pitfalls that the current county executive perhaps fell into? Sure, and I can answer that. And, you know, the best way to answer it is probably through specific examples. I'll give you a good specific example, and this is a this is a pretty big one. You know, we have a family courthouse that's being constructed right now. Initially, the county executive came to the St. Louis County Council, and he advised the county council and had documentation that this was a courthouse that was going to cost $100 million. County council voted to move it forward to a ballot for $100 million. That was going to be a bond issuance, um, and it required the vote of the people. So acting in good faith upon his estimate that it would be a $100 million project, we moved forward with that. It went to the voters. The voters, believing the same, approved it for $100 million. Just weeks after it was approved, Gary Earls, the chief operating officer, came to each of the council members and advised us that there was going to be a $30 million cost overrun, that in his words, they had misestimated uh, that the project would cost $100 million, but in fact, it would cost $130 million. He asked the council members individually to sign confidentiality agreements to discuss. We had to first sign them, and our discussions were contingent on signing confidentiality agreements. And I found that particularly troubling because it's a confidentiality agreement, and it it's regarding public money, and it's really a critical piece of infrastructure in St. Louis County. It's a family courthouse, you know, and, and if you heard the reasons why we needed a new courthouse, it was because parties were often at the same table with one another. There were uh, juvenile uh, accused offenders that were, you know, not being, you know, kept properly. Um, and the functionality of the old building was just not where it needed to be. So it's a, it's a critical piece of infrastructure. And to have a $30 million cost estimate overrun and to ask the council to approve 30 million additional dollars and asking us to sign confidentiality agreements was really, I just don't think that's the way that government should operate. I think first, there should have been a much better estimate of what that cost was going to be for that project before it went to voters. And secondly, um, you know, a $30 million cost overrun is, is you know, I, I'd say in words, it's, it's inexcusable. It can't happen. Um, so that's just not the way to operate county government, and it's certainly not transparent, and it certainly doesn't represent accountability. And you know, certainly out of that particular instance, you know, there were no reprimands, there were no, you know, no one was held accountable. It was just a thirty million dollar mistake, and there was certainly not even an apology. And that's thirty million dollars. That's quite a bit of money. So transparency 
will certainly be a, a big issue in this race between you and, and County Executive Dooley. But what do you see as another big issue that is one of the big differences between you two? I think what you would find in my leadership and yeah, that would be different than what you find in his leadership is just a, a level of engagement that I don't think we see in the current county executive. I don't think we see currently engaged leadership. And I can give you some specific examples for that. You know, one of the things that um, that I really want to see for St. Louis County is much more economic development, um, jobs uh, that are sustainable, jobs that are much, much greater in number. And, you know, it, it, over the county executive's tenure, we've had a loss by, by raw uh, labor statistics of 29,000 jobs over the last 10 years that the county executive has been in office. That's a large loss of jobs. And when you consider the jobs that we should have gained, it becomes even greater. So one of the things that I want to see are jobs for our, for our children, for our current workforce, and I don't see an engaged leadership in that direction. And I can give you some examples of what I would like to see and what I would do. I don't see currently the county executive going to other states where we have targets for, for instance, companies that want to leave those states and come to St. Louis, St. Louis County. I don't see those trips being made. I don't see him going there and making the case for St. Louis County or reaching out to do that. And the only way that we're going to have economic growth, really, is if we do things like that. We also have to maintain the businesses that we that we currently have. I was recently talking to a, uh, a CFO of one of our larger corporations that left recently, and uh, he advised me that you know, and, and, and while they were making their decision to leave, they had contacted St. Louis County and really didn't receive much feedback as to how they could be, you know, courted to stay, which was troubling to me. So we have a maintenance issue there, and we also have the issue of uh, not really going out and seeking new companies to come here. And, you know, we do. We have a, we have a very skilled workforce. Uh, we certainly have some great institutions of learning. I mean, all of them, are, and, they're, and they're all focused within a five-mile radius uh, not all of them, but but many of them are focused within a five mile radius. So I mean, we have the educational opportunities, we have the workforce, we certainly have rail, we certainly have the river, we certainly have an airport that's underutilized. So we have everything we need to take the next step forward. But what we lack is engaged leadership, and I think that what you'll see from me is that engaged leadership. I will travel to meet companies. I will have them here. I will sell St. Louis County, and we have so much to offer. It's just, uh, it's just there's, there's a real lack of that engaged leadership. Now, I want to bring up a topic we talked about last week because um, you were the county uh, council chairman at the time. Did, did County Executive Dooley propose to sell or shut down half the parks in 2011? He did. He did. I know we talked about that before. Um, there was a proposal. It, it was the budget. He proposed the budget in November of 2011. I was the county uh, chairman, county council chairman, and his budget proposed closing one half of all county parks and reducing services in some of the other parks. And that was done under the guise of there being a financial crisis at the time, and I think you probably remember that as well. There were like 500 people at, at one of the budget hearings. And yeah. To put it in perspective, there were like zero at 
one last year yes. or the year before. But continue. Sure. Um, so he came to the council and initially asked us to uh, pass an increase in property taxes uh, to, to increase the rate. And the council unanimously said that we wouldn't do that. And I was the chair at the time, so I sort of led the charge on that and saying, no, we didn't We didn't want to do that. And we didn't want to do it because we didn't need to do it. Uh, the county executive uh, told us that he projected a $26 million deficit for the year and that it was going to be necessary to close parks to meet that gap so that we could zero out the budget. And uh, we put together a special budget committee. I, I actually formed a special budget committee that looked into the issue and reviewed it and analyzed it. And we came to the conclusion that there wasn't going to be a deficit. Now, in fact, what wound up happening is we wound up with a $3.2 million surplus that year. So, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of talk, I think, from the county executive about there having been uh, an economic crisis going on at the time and that, you know, that um, – that he somehow avoided that. But that really wasn't the case. There really wasn't one. And we turned out to have a $3.2 million budget surplus. No park was closed. And when you talk about parks and you talk about the county, we have a fantastic park system. It's, uh, you know, I would say it's premier in the nation. I mean, it's a great park system. We've always had a great parks director. And it's a system that really stands alone. And to lose half of those parks... And what that would mean to the families of St. Louis in St. Louis County, you know, it, it it it's just something you can't afford to lose. So we made a very very serious effort to protect those parks, mm-hmm. and we were actually prepared and we did block that budget until the concession was made by the administration to to not close parks right. and and in fact approve a budget that now as kind of a follow up though, I, I, like a year or two later. The county executive supported Proposition P, which gave more money to parks. You voted to put it on the ballot. I did. Does yeah. he deserve some credit for putting the political fortitude behind getting that done? For for Prop P? Yes. Well, you know, I think it was a joint effort. I think everyone agreed that Prop P needed to pass, and it needed to pass because when you talk about parks, and as I am, you know, parks are it, it, parks are a real attractor. Not only do the do the residents of St. Louis County get to enjoy them, and not all not only do we all get to enjoy them, but it's also an attractor when people look to a lo, you know look to whether they want to locate their business here, whether they want to live here, whether they want to move here. They're going to look at the amenities that are available, and when you have a great park system like we do and great trails, um, those are very important things that I think we want to preserve. And I think you know that's why it was so shocking to hear that he wanted to close half of them because to me it seems to be you know really a no brainer that you know. Those are, the parks are something that we need to protect. Was was the effort – I mean, why do you think that, that the proposal was made in the first place? Was it part of an effort – I mean, from your perspective, because you were head of the council at the time, uh, to try to force a property tax increase? Or was it to highlight certain issues? I mean, why do you think this even came about? If I had to say, I would say that it was probably to force the property tax hike. That's what I would – that's what I'm – that's what I believe the reason was, because there really was no other really good reason for why you would want to close half of our parks. It just didn't make any sense. And it really didn't make any sense to any of the other council members either. Now, now I also want to ask a question that I asked the county executive last week dealing with this 
this talk about the city-county merger getting closer together. Now, you're on record saying that, you know, it's hard for you to form an opinion because you don't know what the proposal is. And there are all sorts of different proposals, whether it be the city joining as a municipality, a mega Indiana-style <coughs> merger, you know, all sorts of things. So I want that to be known. But as a resident of St. Louis City, I hear this talk about the city joining the county, and I'm just wondering, how would my life change and how would my life be better if my county government was St. Louis County now instead of St. Louis City? As somebody who represents St. Louis County on the council and wants to be county executive, what do you think the benefit would be for people like me if we were part of the county, if, if anything? Well, I think what's going on right now, and, I, and this is part of my position on the matter, is there's a, there's a very broad study going on by the Better Together, by the Better Together group. And um, I think we're going to learn a lot more after that study and probably some other studies that are going to take place. You know, this is a topic that it isn't really a philosophical debate as much as it is a debate about actual facts and figures. And I, mean, I, think, it could, I think it's really the decision that needs to be made is going to be a decision that is made after a quantitative analysis and also a qualitative analysis. And I think it's a decision that needs to be made really after the people of St. Louis County and the people of St. Louis City vote on the matter. And I would be – I'm running for county executive and I'm a county councilman, so I represent the people of St. Louis County. And as as far as that goes, I think they need to make the ultimate decision of whether they want to join in some fashion. And the reason why it's very difficult to form at this point an informed decision, an informed conclusion about this matter is that, like you said, there are so many ways that this could happen. And, you know, as I said, quantitatively, how it would turn out for St. Louis County taxpayers, we really don't know, you know, what the cost efficiencies would be, what the benefits would be. We won't, I mean, you can talk about them in a very broad sense, but in a very particular sense, it's very, very difficult to, I think, form an opinion. Now, the county executive's position, as, you know, I've heard him speak at SLU at some of the forums, is we need to merge and we need to merge now. And that's really been his, it need, and I think his words were, it needs to happen now. Um, I think what we need to do now is analyze it, look at it, see what this study shows. Um, you know, as far as the group uh, Better Together is concerned, I think that they're going to put together a study and they're going to, uh, and I think that I'm, you know, I'm following this from reports that I've read in the newspaper, and I, I did go to the initial kickoff to sort of learn more about this whole situation. And you know, at that kickoff, we learned, or just shortly thereafter, that the county executive was actually on the board in some fashion. And, and, and from what I remember, he didn't even know that he was on the board. If, if, if the news reports were correct, I think he was asked whether he was on the board, and he didn't know. But um, you know, this is a situation where. We really, this is a very important step for St. Louis County. It's a very important step for St. Louis City. And we need to, I just think we need to, to really take a close look at this, you know, both quantitatively and qualitatively. Now, um, St. Louis County has been trending, let's say, for the last 20 years. Uh, I and mean, looking at this from a political standpoint, in a Democratic direction. In fact, in many of the close statewide races, uh, the 2006 uh U.S. Senate race, for example, between McCaskill and Talent, the margin that she carried St. Louis County was almost identical to the margin she carried the state. I'm setting that up because um, 
while you and Dooley will be duking it out, there is now... And a third candidate. Right, correct. But the point is that you've got... And until, let's say, a few days ago, it was unclear. The assumption was whoever won the Democratic primary would have the leg up in November. Now you've got a crowded Republican primary, and that includes um, State Rep. Rick Stream, who's the budget director, I mean, the budget chairman for the House, and actually has been on our show twice. Um, So my question is, is there concern that as you and Dooley duke it out and try to appeal to voters— that whoever comes out of your primary is going to be um, financially battered as well as politically battered, and then you'll be turning around and facing potentially uh, a well-funded Republican candidate. I mean, this is at least the Republican hope. How do you kind of see all that? Well, I can only tell you what, what I intend to do, and what I intend to do is run a spirited campaign uh, you know, through the primary, and uh, following the primary, uh, regardless of what happens in the primary, you know, everyone needs to come back together and we need to, you know, face the next challenge, which is in, in that case would be the Republican. And I think, you know, I've been I've been successful thus far in fundraising and um, and in in our campaign. So I don't think we're really going to have a, a problem with that at all. I mean, we, I, I work very hard. And my campaign works very hard, and we've been uh, working hard for a while now. So I don't, I don't, I don't really see there being much of a problem with that at all. So I, I guess, really it, don't. but it's you know, it's still early. I'm assuming the campaign's going to heat up as we get closer to August. But there's been some sort of contentiousness so far. Uh, I saw, I heard on KMOX that the Dooley, not the Dooley, Dooley, the Dooley, <laughs> uh, it's not the Ohio State University, <laughs> Dooley kind of dredged up a, a charge that Campisi threw, threw at you in 2007 about you living in South County, and you actually showed KMOX your, your home in South County. I, I, I thought did. that was kind of curious because, you know, it wasn't an effective strategy in 2008, obviously. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure why it was brought up again. And then on our show last week, he, um, you know, released his taxes and challenged you to do the same. And I and I have released mine today. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. believe Joe has the yeah, taxes yeah, in her hand. She does. Some people know. She does. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but here's here's the reason yeah. why I bring this up. Um, it's very similar to what Mayor Slay did against Lewis Reed in the last cycle. It, the he, uh, taxes. He asked about the taxes. He dredged up the fact that his campaign manager was a part of the Communist Party, and that was a campaign issue in a 2007 aldermanic race. And my question is, you know, it's pretty obvious that Mayor Slay is behind Charlie Dooley. I mean, he's endorsed him. His his yeah. political operation is obviously backing him. Do you fear that if you end up winning, are you going to be able to have a good relationship with him, given that he's working against you? Or do you think that there'll be water under the bridge if you end up winning? I think at, at some point that just becomes water under the bridge. And, you know, people pick sides in these things. And that's just the side that he's chosen. And, and that's OK. You know, it's politics and, uh, you know, it's a campaign. And, you know, there's certainly they, they do share political operatives. You know, they have uh, Richard Callow. He's working with Charlie Dooley. Uh, by the way, Richard um, is also working with you know, the folks at the Bridgeton Landfill. Uh, we have they, Charlie Dooley and the mayor share a uh, they share a fundraiser as well. Uh, and uh, they share some other uh, campaign staff. 
So that's no surprise, you know, and so we see a lot of the same kind of, uh, I guess you could call them attacks. And I understand those. And, and I see that, you know, for instance, the uh, tax return issue is really a red herring. I've come today. I've given my tax returns. He said I didn't live in my, in my residence where I live. So I invited KMOX because they were interested. I invited them over and I showed them, you know, my house. I showed them my home. I showed them, uh, I showed them where I sleep. I showed them my refrigerator. <laughs> it, you know, then, I, I'm not, you know, I don't have any problem with yeah. that at all. And it took a few minutes. I had my wife with me and uh, we walked them through and, uh, you know, we showed them, the, showed them everything. And that, um, just as a, a quick aside, your, your, your wife is expecting a child, by the way. Before I came here, I actually was at an ultrasound uh, visit, so I, I got to see my little girl well, today. Congratulations. Yep, was, yeah, very excited. Because I thought that that whole KMOX article was burying the lead right there, that <laughs> Councilman Singer was going to be a dad. If you need any advice, <laughs> I, I can give you, but you're not going to sleep much. I know. <laughs> I, need, I definitely need advice. I'll tell you that. But, you know, having a, a child and, and having a child on the way really uh, – and, and we just have one child on the way, and it, we don't have any other children together yet. No this octuplets. Is, this will be our first. Um, but having a child on the way really puts a different perspective on everything, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And, and it uh, it really puts a different perspective on – and I guess you just see it from a different perspective, you know, what you'd like to see for the community that your child is going to grow up, you know, in. We'll close right. it off there, though. You can read all of our stories at STL Public Radio. I'm sure Joe will, will have a story soon about – about the tax returns. Yes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @csmcdaniel. Jason, you can be followed on Twitter. Jay Rosenbaum. And Joe. At J Manis. That's J M A N N I E S. And at Steve Stenger. S T E N G E R. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. <laughs>